Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, November 13th. S&P futures are up about 31 points. That's about 89 basis points. NASDAQ futures are also up about 89 basis points. That's about 103 points for the NASDAQ. Europe's major indices opened in the red. They've since rebounded. They're up about 20 to 50 basis points. Um, you're seeing a rebound in some of the cyclical names in Europe that have been um, hit Wednesday and Thursday. You're also seeing tech extend its gains as well. So banks are doing well as well as tech in Europe. Uh, Asia was more mixed um, following the U.S. slump yesterday, although there were a few pockets of green in Asia. Um so in terms of macro news for this morning, incremental macro news, there's really not a whole lot to say. Um, you know, I think the core market debate right now concerns COVID, where you have a bleak near-term outlook, where you continue to have cases explode higher, you have hospitalizations rising, um, and you have mitigation actions being taken um, you know, by a variety of different governments in the US and obviously across the board in Europe. That was one of the main catalysts, probably the key catalyst for the sell-off yesterday, um, we just saw kind of a flurry of, of mitigation announcements in the U.S. So you had Chicago announce a stay-at-home order. You had Detroit close down in-person learning. Um, and then, you know, it looks like New York could also close down in-person learning over the coming days um, if the COVID trends continue at their present trajectory and, and uh, overcome one of the key thresholds that government officials are watching. So, you know, you had obviously a lot of euphoria on Monday where the Pfizer vaccine numbers hit, and then that kind of dissipated somewhat um, on Wednesday and Thursday. And then I think this morning, it, you know, I think some of that euphoria is back. So again, you have this dynamic of bleak near term, although not as bad as March and April, and then a lot of justified optimism in the medium long term, as you know, you had the first candidate of many come out with blowout efficacy data. Um, and then we could, you know, again, we have Moderna coming out, AstraZeneca, Johnson Johnson, as well as others. You have a lot of the monoclonal antibody treatments now that are hitting the market. Um, you know, so I think the medical community is mounting a very successful battle against COVID. It's just a matter of time. Um, you know, so I think you can see the light at the end of this tunnel, but you're looking still at another couple of months of um, what's probably going to be some very negative sounding headlines. So I think the market's just cr- trying to reconcile those two themes. You are seeing in general, I think, a shift towards a more pro-cyclical, pro-value uh, bias in the in the market. Again, I think tech changed back in early September, and you've seen that space trade poorly since then. Um, and you've just seen news flow, I think, since then exacerbate kind of, um, you know, again, the pro-cyclical bias in the market. It won't be linear. You're going to have days um, like Wednesday and Thursday where, you know, investors are going to are going to pull back. Um, but I thought what was most notable about Thursday in particular was, you know, you did see obviously a broader market slump. You had a lot of negative COVID headlines, but you didn't see investors rush back into growth stocks to the extent they did um, back in the spring and summer. So, you know, that 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 trade of, um, you know, simply buying or mindlessly buying tech um, at the first sign of any kind of COVID setback that dominated the spring and summer and helped drive the market higher, you know, that does seem to kind of be winding down. Um, and it's just a question of, you know, cyclical value, the extent to which those stocks can help drive the broader tape higher. Um, you know, so again, not that was a little bit long-winded, but that's the key debate right now in the market. It's just near-term COVID, bad, longer-term, medium-term and longer-term, certainly um, a lot more optimistic than it had been. Um, so again, as far as big news headlines for this morning, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the narratives on the key macro issues are the same as yesterday. So already went through COVID, no, big economic, no major economic data this morning to speak of. Uh, no major central bank headlines to speak of. Again, the next big central bank catalyst will be this, this the ECB meeting on December 10th. 
Um, you know, you had their big Cintra conference that took place Wednesday and Thursday of this week. That's the ECB's version of Jackson Hole. Very dovish. Lagarde, again, um, you know, ratcheted higher expectations for that December 10th meeting. It's probably looking to be a sell the news event once it arrives. Um, but I think between now and then, you're probably going to see a lot more suggestive headlines and, and a lot more, um, you know, a lot of a lot of large numbers thrown around as far as what the ECB could actually announce on that day. On the fiscal stimulus front, you know, this was another kind of driver for the sell-off on Thursday. Um, you know, I think it looks very difficult that you're going to see a large fiscal stimulus compromise take place within the lame duck. You had McConnell and um, and Pelosi Schumer out yesterday, both sounding as divided as they were before the election. Um, you know, again, McConnell talking about still a very targeted bill worth about half a trillion dollars or less, and and the Democrats Pelosi talking about something, um, you know, north of two trillion. So. Um, you know, I think the Georgia runoffs continue to complicate things. If not for those runoffs, perhaps there could be, um, you know, movement on the fiscal front before Biden is sworn in on January 20th. But just given those runoffs um, and just given the tenor uh, on in terms of rhetoric, it's hard to see fiscal stimulus happen um, again in the lame duck. I, th- I think it still will arrive. Um, it's more a matter of time, but it looks like the mark will have to wait a couple more months for that to happen. Um you know, I think one of the big drivers for this morning, specifically the rebound, is not on the macro news, but more on the micro front. So you had a bunch of earnings last night, including three large cap companies, Applied Materials, Cisco, and Disney. All were positive, all beat expectations. Um, you know, in the case of Cisco in particular, they are coming off a pretty disappointing quarter. Um, previously, they beat expectations, uh, barely beat expectations on revenue, strong margin performance, um, solid EPS upside, and then guidance was also better than feared. I think more importantly, you had the CEO on the call um, sound a lot more upbeat just about the general macro environment as far as sales trends, um, certainly a change in tone from the last conference call. And then Cisco's also hiring the CFO from Autodesk, um, which is important because that CFO at Autodesk helped transition that company into a subscription software model, um, which obviously um, is very investors value very much helps enhance multiples of software companies as they make that transition. So Cisco's in the midst of a transition, um, and there's a lot of optimism that that CFO can help catalyze the shift to um, you know a more of a subscription model for the business, which again and helps to enhance tech multiples. For Disney, um, you know I think some of the troubled areas did not lose as as, as much money as feared, and then um, they had very solid streaming performance. So again that. That story is very much being driven by the accelerated shift to streaming. There's a big analyst meeting coming up for Disney in December where they're going to again talk about the streaming strategy. So that was the main highlight um, for that company. And there were a couple of other earnings reports as well from smaller companies. I have details on everything in the piece this morning. Uh, on the political front in the US, you know, again, I think you have there's a million articles talking about the various different strategies and and um you know, actions that Trump is trying to pursue. I don't, the market is not paying any attention to any of them. Um, you know, I think there is some concern about how the absence of a formal transition process um, could certainly create risks. No one doubts Biden will be sworn in on January 20th, but there is, again, some concern about what can happen in the interim um, to the extent Biden is completely locked out of, of various different briefings in terms of intelligence. Um, you know, I think that. There's also a greater focus now over what the White House will do in the last two months. So, you know, a lot of reports suggest that there are a lot of various different executive orders being planned. You saw one yesterday they hit in the afternoon. 
um, again, about banning U.S. investors from buying into certain Chinese stocks. Some of these executive orders are legally dubious, so they could be shut down. They could be um, struck down by courts over the coming months. But again, you you probably have some headline risks depending on what some of these executive orders um, aim to accomplish. So that's, I think, the big the focus in Washington is more, um, you know, not will Biden get sworn in, but um, you know, again, kind of what happens in the interim as far as um, executive action. Um, again, those Georgia Senate runoffs are still very much in focus. The consensus is that the Republicans will keep their majority, um, but obviously there'll be some uncertainty bet- uh, until we know the final results. Um, and then that is essentially it for this morning. And this calendar for today is very sparse. You you have a couple of economic numbers, a couple of Fed speakers, and then really no major earnings reports today. And that is everything for this morning. Thank you for listening.